Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange with Leander Young, where we dig into conversations with seasoned musicians to discuss their life, art, and the faith of jazz as they see it. In this episode, we interview a composer, arranger, pianist, vocalist, two-time Grammy nominee from Waterburg, Connecticut, Nicole Saratis. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange. Today we have Nicole Zaritis. 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 Right. Let's start again. <laughs> Zaritis. Okay. Itis. Now people laugh at me. I just—it's like a little tad whole thing. Is like we'll denounce announce uh, screw up the name again. Now it's a brutal whatever. One. Yeah, it's a, it's it's rough. Well, ma'am, please <laughs> introduce yourself, and then we'll get into it. Hi, I'm Nicole Zoraitis. I'm happy to be here. Uh, okay, that's great. Ma'am, thank you for joining us. Yes. <laughs> well, I want to say Christmas came early because I got her as a guest, people. I wanted her last year, believe it or not. She released this killer trio <gasps> album. And then when I reached out, you it's You definitely like didn't ghost. reach out to me then, that's for sure. Nothing. Because I never ghost anybody. If you were, if you had emailed me, as you found when you emailed I me, I always get back to people. It may take a while, but I'm so sorry that somebody didn't get back to you from Sonica. That's very off-brand for us. I hate that. Yeah, I mean, that was the same. That was, well, I, good. It, it should have hurt your feelings okay. because I get whoever dropped the ball, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna figure that out quick. <laughs> I don't like that. Um, so I'm glad that you emailed me directly, well, and then here we are. Yes. So first thing I want to ask is like, what was the plan in the background for this album that you just released? Oh, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, she got a second <laughs> Grammy nomination. I'm proud of her. Yes. want to be you when I grow up. <laughs> and she's so modest about it, too. She's just like, yeah, you know, it's just a usual thing. Next I year, I'll get another one. <laughs> I definitely was a little, this one was a big one, though, for me, honestly, a, a full album. My album's called How Love Begins. And. Um, I wrote all the music and I and I arranged the whole thing myself. And, you know, to get a Grammy nomination for that is even for me who eats humble pie for breakfast every day. I was like, geez, good job. <laughs> good freaking job, Nicole. You did a great job. Good job. <laughs> Holy cow. Um, yeah, it was uh, that record. You know, I I wrote it intentionally to sit within like the jazz idiom. I wrote all the songs with the intention of, you know, honoring uh, the songwriting form of like Great American Songbook, but also still honoring my favorite songwriters of all time, like Joni Mitchell, et cetera. Um, I found that I've always sat on the fence of jazz, looking out, I mean, we're looking in, going, let me in, let me in. And the jazz police are always like, no, you. You shall not pass. <laughs> you are too rock and roll. Do you really I, want to go there with the jazz police? Because this it. is the I'm show for it. that. I'm, I'm telling it. you, and man. I, I, can't, I can't stand them. They do more yeah, harm to jazz than good. The guests that I had in the past, the amount of people they yes, dropped the and ball it, on. In a, in a moment of like yes. true irony, and this happens a lot in my life, and I think it's a theme that I hope can inspire someone is that oftentimes I will do something and I'll put myself out there for something and I'll get such a heavy rejection that you would think like you're just going to quit. 
But, in, you know, I always just go, hmm, that motivates me more. I don't know. It's like a healthy dose of competition really makes me, uh, me makes me tick. Um, and so, you know, with with my songwriting before, I was always playing at this place called the 55 Bar, the iconic 55 Bar in Greenwich Village. I was right next to the Stonewall Inn. Um, it was notorious for years and years and years at this, like, New York staple underground jazz blues soul club and that was one of the first places that ever gave me a residency and they didn't have any restrictions on what kind of quote-unquote jazz you could play you know like Mike Stern, Wayne Krantz, um, all these avant-garde artists, uh, Dave Binney and then of course like big like blues artists like uh, Georgia and and then he, Scott, the owner, would give opportunities for residencies to people like me who were up and coming, you know, songwriters or jazz artists. So I would just play once a month there and I would just play all this music that I wrote or arranged. And I was like, this is jazz to me, right? Because it's definitely not going to go sit next to a Taylor Swift pop song. But um, because of the way that I've, I've written, it just... It had been moved previously in the Grammys, another album of mine. They moved me out of jazz into pop. And I was like so hurt by that because I was like, who are you to tell me how I identify as an artist? So with this album, How Love Begins, I was like, I'm going to write music that can sit next to in a playlist next to um, like a classic, amazing Ella uh, song. Not saying that I, as a singer, can sit next to Ella. I would never give myself that much credit. But in terms of songwriting and feel, I wanted to make sure that some of these songs had that traditional feel. Um, and then, so that's how I kind of birthed the the, the writing of the music. Um, man, I feel like I'm rambling. Do you want to stop me and ask a question from there? <laughs> no, you're not. I'm actually enjoying it. Keep going, keep going, ma'am. This is your journey, your episode. Now, I'll be the first one to say you're a better person than me because I'm not being a performance. Okay, I would have been like, screw you. I am not changing my writing style to fulfill your perfect image, Mr. Jazz Police, who never released an album because a great amount of them can't well, even play an instrument. That's very interesting that you say conformist because for me, you know, I think that by me saying, okay, you're challenging me to to follow tradition, that's harder than you think. That's actually the hardest thing is to write music that can even compete, even could be considered uh, the, like the great art of jazz. And that's why I always didn't even do it. Cause I was like, well, why, why would I do that? Like who's better than Cole Porter? You know, who's better than Irving Berlin? Who's better than, you know, in, uh, in terms of like great American songbook. But then I was thinking, but wait, like I have played these songs my whole life. I know the form. I know how to write this form. I know what good lyric is. I know what good storytelling is. Let me just try and do that. And in fact, I'm putting together a collaborative book, um, a, a, a real book, so to speak, called The New Vocal Songbook of living jazz songwriters who write within the same uh, you know, structure and nostalgia of the great American songbook composers because I think that living jazz artists should sing each other's songs, um, just like they did in the 20s, 30s, 40s, you know? Like, uh, there should be a revival of supporting songwriters, and there should be a revival of uh, jazz music that isn't just, you know, like, esoteric or 
not jazz. You know, we can honor the tradition of jazz while also pushing the genre forward. So that's kind of what I've been, that's the, that's what I've been standing on. And so with this record, I intentionally was like, okay, you don't think that the other music I write is jazz. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And then I got a Grammy nomination for it. <laughs> Sorry, saying that out loud is hilarious. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just saying, you're still my hero. So, you know what? I can sit here and say all the garbage I want. You are the hero, hero of the day. I want to no. be you. You're a hero. You, you got the jazz police to say, you know what? This girl's well, got it. You know what I've learned is that the jazz police may be sitting at the top, but the majority of the people just love music and that's what this grammy nomination to me proved to me is that you know i wish everyone in the world could vote but just the recording academy itself you know it's it's about the recording it's about the how the recording is made uh how it sounds the the storyline it's about like the record through and through that's why when there's like duo records i'm like well that's a cheap way to get a grammy nomination like that's come on like do me a favor I mean, there's a lot of we're no, not trying but to rant like, on the Grammys, but yeah, there are a lot of categories no, like, that I'm just like, really. It's about the recording itself. It's about the narrative. It's about all this stuff, and that's what kind of that's why to have an independent artist like me kind of like blow up through all the famous names and pe and people be like, oh snap, who the hell is Nicole's writer? <laughs> I'm I'm going I'm going. Who the hell am I? Like, look at that list. Um, but. Yeah, that the the point is that like it's about the the actual uh, recording itself, and it costs so much money to make an album, especially if you're an independent artist and you're funding it yourself. Yes, let's do that. How much are you are you willing to tell uh, us the well, number? I, Did this cost you? I, I mean, it's a great. Investment. No, no, this one. Don't get me wrong. I have never in my life spent this money on a project. Never in my life. Never in my life. Um, because. I wanted to hire big guns, um, big jazz guns. <laughs> I wanted. Oh, they were great. I, we're, yeah, we can get into get that into later, later. But in but terms of like I price points, I got grants and private donors. And then, of course, I've been working my whole freaking life. Um, I'm not ashamed to say that I work in the trenches. You know, I work. Uh, I still do a wedding on a Saturday night. I still play in the background. I don't announce it on my gig page. Like when I'm like, oh, I won the blank or I've been awarded the blank. I'm not going, and you can come see me at the Red Eye Grill playing in the background while people eat shrimp. Like, no, I don't say that. But like someone's got to make, <laughs> someone's got to make a freaking living over here. My husband's a drummer too. Like we, we sing and play for our supper. And a lot of uh, young artists or old artists are doing the same thing. And there is no shame in the game. You have got to make ends meet unless you come from money and you have a silver spoon or you went viral on TikTok and everybody gave you the silver spoon. Everyone's out here working and do not be ashamed. Do not let people tell you that because, oh, you're doing weddings, you sold out. Actually, you sold out by even having the audacity to say that somebody making music and playing a wedding is, is, uh, is to be frowned upon. They're doing the thing. Everybody's goals are different. So... I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm irritable today. <laughs> I, <laughs> no, I'm loving this so far. 
I'm I think this. I think when you open you open our conversation by saying, "Oh no, we like to we like to be controversial here." I was like, "Well, good because I'm really cranky today." So let's go. <laughs> no, this is like I said. People need to hear this stuff. I I trust me. There, I could send you episodes where it's like I lose it because some people are really in <laughs> La La Land, and you're a professional. But like being real, I I know Ben. Mates that I had in the past that literally would be like, I'm too good for the weddings. No, you're not. In fact. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying to you, no, you're not. But what I will, I will die on this cross um, because most of my performance experience, like, again, I don't uh, say nice things about myself a lot. And I certainly um, have a hard time accepting like nice things or compliments. I'm always like the first thing when the Grammy nomination came through, the first thing I thought was, Jesus, I better go practice. I got to practice. Good God. Um, and then, but what I learned by doing all these background gigs is that my chops never got worse. They just got better. You know, my songwriting got better because what am I doing? I'm studying the acts, you know, in my subconscious, the writing, the f- structure and the the build of the greatest songs of all time. I don't care if you don't like playing uh, Don't Stop Believing or September by Earth, Wind & Fire because you think you're above it. Those are some of the best songs ever written. Those form structures are like in my blood and bones. Like, am I going to write the next September? I doubt it. But it definitely helps me. You know, every time I play in the background of of a gig and I'm just like shedding through songbook after songbook after songbook tune and nobody is listening and I'm taking risks, I'm being paid to practice for, you know, four hours. So, um, yeah. I, like I, said, I couldn't say this any better. <laughs> no, this is literally like a dream <laughs> interview at this point because and every now and then I get one where I'm just like, <laughs> this is what keeps me going. Well, thank you for, I hope, you know, I'm always wondering when I, I really try and like keep a joyful, positive outlook. And I'm really happy to have an interview with someone like you who's just like, yeah, tell it like it is. You know, I'm never going to say anything bad about about people. And, you know, if we want to go back to the jazz police for a second, like they're there for a reason in the same way that, you know, other people are there for a reason. The jazz police are there because they want to make sure that. Um, we honor the fact that jazz is black American music, that, you know, it comes, it's rooted in the blues, that all of our, the ancestors that made this art form make it what it is and that we aren't, we don't forget that as, as, as we move forward. But a lot of them don't understand that part because that's the thing I don't get because they were not really happy people. You ever speak to some of the older <laughs> jazz cats? Let's be real. There's some of them are very cranky, miserable people. And if you get to know them and you tell them about, they tell you about the story of the album, how they lost half the funding, then they couldn't do this. And then they had to go back in a month later and they only had one take. Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's not really pleasant. No, I mean, it's hard. It's really hard. And to go back to like the, the money question, you know, you just, you have to be thrifty if you're going to, if you're going to make music and, I've made albums for like $6,000 and I've made albums for $25,000 and that is not including, you know, 
the publicity and the PR and the marketing. You know, that's just the base cost of getting it out the door and getting a physical product in my hand. Um, it's, it's, it's a lot. But, you know, I have friends that are doing a structure where they do it in their living rooms and they record it in like a, you know, I'm sure that they will also say mediocre way, you know, like an actual engineer would be like, that's pretty terrible. But they don't print CDs. They don't, um, they make beautiful video and then they release it into the world. Why? Because you could just release, you could literally, my dog is sitting next to me. If my dog farted and I recorded it and then I put like a trap beat behind it, I could release that on Spotify and people would be like, cool, great congratulations, like, what's the ISRC code for that? Like, it's all, I think it's ridiculous. But I also don't hate that game either. You know, my, my husband and I, we just got a baby grand piano in our apartment because he's like, let's make music, record it at home, and just release it. Let's just, we don't have to be so uh, delicate. Not every album has to be How Love Begins, which took two freaking years and I, we put all of our eggs into this, into this record's basket. Um, music, you know, it's, it's ebbs and it flows and it moves. You know, you, know, you need to just, you need, need to create. It doesn't always have to cost you 10 grand. That's the beautiful thing about the streaming thing in general. It's like that it literally doesn't cost anything to upload it. Yeah, like 30 bucks like or something. Cheap. Yeah. So you don't have to print the albums and all that stuff. And people, especially if you're just doing it as a side album or a single release, people don't expect it to be high, high quality. Now, then we could go on the other side, which personally I like. I like the whole studio experience with the engineer, with the high mastering and all that stuff. That's like such a beautiful art form. Right. There's only one problem. It costs too much money. It costs a lot. Yes. It costs too much money and it ain't like most of the people are getting the the ROI on, on, Music is so, so horrifyingly low. Um, and, uh, you know, return of investment on your, on your art. It's such a, it's such a sad thing for me to be like, oh, this is my album. It's like a really expensive business card. So like, I refuse to accept that now, you know, I'm old enough for, you know, for how love begins. I was like, well, I'm going to write every single song. Why? Because that gives me a higher chance of ROI because if it actually gets a placement or gets spins or somehow, God willing, goes, you know, gets into some sort of thing. Like I wrote it so I would get the double, I own the master and I would get the royalty as a songwriter and I'm the publisher. So it's like, oh, that's a big win for me. It's a big risk, but it's a big win. Um, Has it happened yet? No. You know, does it does a Grammy nomination put money in my pocket? Not yet. But if I get eyes on me and people are like, wow, she sounds like an artist that I want to follow as as she grows in her career, then yes, it did put money in my pocket in the long term. A lot of this is long game. That's all. Well said. It's just that then it's like the younger people that I know, like people younger than me and you, that are just starting it up in the music form of industry. They come out of college, they have a debt, they have to make that business card, as you said, of an album. And then it has to be professional or the jazz police don't even want to listen to it, which is a whole other conversation. They are going in like, even if they split it, 
They're putting an extra three grand debt in a quartet just for a business card. But as my grandma always said, you have to spend money to make money. (laughs) And (laughs) it's like, and I think that like money, when it comes to art, like the currency doesn't have to be like actual funds. Like we want it to be, it should be. Music shouldn't be, we shouldn't have all these corporations just like stealing any chance of income. And we shouldn't have had a pandemic which cut and closed all the clubs. And we shouldn't have had a pandemic that closed all the, that people are afraid to go out and they're getting sick. And if they do feel sick, they're not going to go out. And then they don't buy the tickets in advance. Like things are hard. It's really hard right now. Um, But currency to some people, instead of like financial, is just like proof of doing, like being proud that you made a record and and you did it. Uh, Or like being able to like go out and play and, and, and sell the CD on your restaurant gig that you do every Tuesday at a pizzeria in Columbus, Ohio. You know what I'm saying? Like you could do all sorts of stuff. But no. yeah, it's it's tricky. I mean, you mentioned it, Uh-oh. so I will say something on it. That whole lockdown did a horrendously horrible job for jazz. I'm still waiting for jazz standard to open back up. You know, they promised me they're going to come back. They're not coming back, people. I told you that bar a year too. ago. 55 bar. Yeah, you mentioned that. I mentioned that in the past too, people. It's not coming back. So the amount of clubs in New York City shrank greatly. And they're not coming back. Less opportunities for, as you heard Nicole say, that's where she was building up her skills, getting her reps in. Yeah. So when we talk about the music industry, or not music, that's a whole other thing, but the jazz world dying off. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 yeah. tricky. I think one of the things I'm trying to teach, I teach at two universities, universities I teach at NYU, um, and then I teach at SUNY Purchase, mm. Purchase College. And what, you know, some of my Purchase kids, the singers are like, you know, I don't think we have enough opportunities to sing here. Um, and I was like, okay, well, one, Welcome to the music business. <laughs> I'm sorry. And so I'm sorry. I'm such a jerk. And so I, so I, and the same thing in my NYU kids, they're like, you know, we're in college. We want, you know, we want to sing more. Where can we go gig? And I challenge them. I'm like, well, if you want to already start your journey as a professional musician, you have to make opportunities for yourself. And um, you have to like, if there's a cafe that you frequent a lot, you know, I I don't love advocating for people to do things in exchange for like a meal or or, you know, drinks or put the tip jar, like especially not like professionals. But if you're a student, like the thing I the things I used to do for like twenty five bucks or just dinner. I I can't even <gasps> Bella, no honey. Sorry, my dog. <laughs> Come here, honey. Um I can't even count how many times I just was like I need to feel like I'm doing something. And I would just go, like in my hometown, there was a bar, schlep my PA and my piano and like a bass player. And I would be like, yo, do you want to play for dinner and two beers maximum? (laughs) And we'll put a tip jar. You know, I know a lot of people would be like, don't do that. Musicians need to get paid. I'm like, yeah, but I was 20 or 18 years old, 20 years old. You know, I had no clue what I was doing. 
Um, and that's how you get experience. I'm rambling. Okay. Ask me something else. <laughs> I know. Listen, man, I sadly agree with a lot of what you're saying. So I'm pretty bored on my end. <laughs> but yes, you got to get your reps in where you could get your reps in. Getting a meal is a form of currency. You're still being paid. It's not not with monetary value <laughs> right. of the United States dollar. And you're getting okay? experience. So like that is a currency a good itself when you're young. But if like people who are older and actual, you know, are working musicians yeah. listening to this going, I'm going to write her a scathing email. I mean, like, no, I'm not saying I'm not saying that any like working professionals should accept anything less than what they are worth. Um, but I'm just saying for up and coming students, go make an opportunity for, for yourself, because when you're playing in the corner of that pizzeria and a uh, event planner comes in and is hanging with their friends and it's like oh my god you guys sound amazing i love this you know my i do events and my friend is getting married and do you guys have a card like this is how you build up your business it's a business music is a business i will say that again music is a business <laughs> people don't remember that part so i challenge my students i'm like oh you're unhappy with what's happening okay you have to advocate for yourself um, I can't do everything for you because the minute you leave the school, nobody's going to advocate for you at all. You, ha- you know, you are your own small business order. Okay, now I got to <laughs> ask you this, Miss Professor of Music at two universities. <laughs> Don't you think that's part of the problem in it with, that we have also? Uh-oh. Ah, she, I lost her at the like, right time. Hold on. Okay. I lost you at like, the right time. Okay, so... Miss Professional in the Music World, okay? You're two universities. You don't oh, I, think that's part of the issue? Because you're pretty much... A hundred percent. Are you okay. kidding me? I said I would never teach at a, at a university. Oh. <laughs> I said I would never teach... I, I said I would never I teach at a music in university unless it was teaching life skills that you could actually utilize within to be a musician, right? So when I went to school for music... I just learned how to sing and that was it. And then I graduated and I couldn't even work a PA. Right. And then I had some, I had loans and debt. And then other universities over the last, you know, a couple of years would be like, do you want to come teach? And I was like, what's the curriculum? You just teach voice lessons. No, I don't want to do that. I'm like, I don't really want to be in higher education because it costs too much. And you don't need, I think for jazz, you don't really need education you need experience and you need to transpose and you need to transcribe not transpose transcribe and like really learn the language of the greats um you need a mentor uh but you don't always need higher education but now i had the opportunity to go to nyu and start the contemporary vocal program there which teaches well-rounded pedagogy technique-based singing with the life skills of business, with the life skills of booking, with the life skills of taxes, booking your own shows, working um, sound engineers, uh, production, you could take all this stuff. So I was like, well, if you're going to get a music degree, this is at least something that you could graduate with skills because you're going to, you're talking to professors who are doing it instead of, it took me 20 years to learn all that stuff. Um, And then Okay. Are you pro-conservatory so, or you're not? 
That's very interesting. I don't know. I mean, do the are there any other conservatories that actually teach life skills? I know that at Pert. At- uh, all I do is when I look on the billboard charts, I don't think any of those people exactly. have a music degree. I have a degree in opera. Like, I don't have a degree in jazz. And I have two jazz nominations. Like, it's... Oh, oh, that's a slap in the face. Good job, people. <laughs> you get, we're going to laugh about that. I'm just gonna, I got to plug my computer. Hold on. <laughs> I know that's kind of a jerk thing to say. <laughs> I'm here for it though. No, that's an outstanding thing to say. Um, sorry, my computer is just like. If if nobody can see me, then I'm just gonna put the computer down and listen. Um, can you hear me still? Yeah. All right. Cool. Yep. Yep. Yes, ma'am. All right. Can you hear me? Okay. But no, that is not, that's what my thing is. Like, so I look at probably the two biggest female artists right now. It is, you could add or take, you could disagree or disagree with me, Beyonce and Taylor Swift. They sell out arenas. They're not trying to fill out Birdland that holds 200, 250 people. They're looking at selling out 40,000, 80,000 people. Yeah, but. That's well, for them. The do can they can they sing the changes of a great American songbook and like scat and use jazz language? No, <laughs> that's a whole different skill set. No, but you're missing <laughs> the point. That you're right about that, but it's not even about the skill set. I'm saying, I'm saying, if we're talking about making a living and growing the music, that is the deal. There's another girl that is nominated. She's from Iceland. The jazz community is doing her best not to let her I in. I have a lot of thoughts about that. Okay, keep going. She. No, keep. Oh, oh okay. I'm just. Yeah, yeah. You can tell me your honest opinion on it. But she is bigger than most yep. pop stars. She has more streams than Miles Davis, John Coltrane, combined, multiplied by four in a month. So if she considers herself as a jazz artist, if the average person considers her a jazz artist, I want her in the community because it brings more eyes to everybody. Now, you can tell me where you disagree with me on, well, and then we'll go from there. Just to circle back, so she went to Berkeley. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's really? a Berkeley, she's a conservatory person, so um, I don't, maybe, you know, she, just to go back to that university thing for a second, maybe maybe it was Berkeley, maybe it wasn't. I would love to hear an interview for her where she's like, I hated Berkeley or I loved it. Like, I would love to know her experience with with that. That would be really fascinating to me. Um, and yeah, for Lave, I, when I saw her record come out and it was topping all the jazz playlists, that you know, I was trying to get on, and some of them that I was on, I was like, "This is very interesting." Uh, it is nostalgic of the Great American Songbook, but with clear pop and not live instruments. Like I can hear that it's like fake strings, like synths, and I can hear like Chet Baker quotes and 
and I can hear, you know, a lot of like minor two, five vamps that are kind of like Joe beam, you know, yeah, there are a lot of beams, in there. Yeah. but like to have really audiences around the world, like singing, like, you know, like little like trills that are like bebop. I'm like, this is awesome. I'm super pumped about this, but I knew that for the Grammys that she would be moved out of jazz. I just knew because I have been moved. I've been moved to pop. They moved her to traditional pop, um, which I thought was actually a great move um, because it is pop, but rooted in tradition um, and in, in the tradition of jazz. But if you listen to her singing, I wouldn't consider her necessarily like a jazz singer. Like, I'm not sure that she could actually like have the language to improvise or change a melody on the fly or like communicate with a live band, like everything, all the videos that I've seen her do is like Ableton triggers and not a real upright bass and, you know, all in-ears and it's not live. Like what I love about jazz music and my, I mean, God, could you imagine? I'm about to say, in my record, <laughs> fucking ridiculous. But I'm just, I'm just saying, it's, it's my show. I can do what I want. But for my record, How Love Begins is all live. The whole thing is recorded live, no click. Every take is the take. And we did like four takes of each song and I went back and, and chose. They're all live vocals. You know, it's like when you listen to the Lave stuff, it's like beautiful. It's like very uh produced and there's nothing wrong with that either so what you said about bringing people back to jazz i'm thrilled i'm like come on in girl come on in with your awesome songwriting she's a terrific songwriter like i would love to have her be part of my book um of the new vocal songbook because it is you know songs written by people who are alive who are rooted in jazz like is she rooted in the same tradition that she has like spent hours studying uh Maybe she studied Chet Baker because I hear influences by him. But did she like go down the Bill Evans rabbit hole and like vocalize piano transcriptions? No, but maybe she did. I don't know. Like, we don't know. We I'm don't thrilled. Know. I All want her like... in the jazz community. I'm a, I'm, I, I really hope that I get to meet her and I would like to be friends with her because. Something about her music is touching people, and I think that people forget oftentimes that, you know, music is not only about what it's supposed to be. It's, it's music is about how it affects and touches the audience. And jazz is not accessible often because the musicians are playing it for themselves. They're not playing it for the audience. That is to me, the biggest downfall of the genre. And then to see entertainers, like I consider myself as a singer-songwriter, jazz singer-songwriter, also an entertainer. Like at my show, I love to talk to the audience. I like to make them laugh. I like to invite them in, like they're in my house. Um, and when you go to a jazz show, mm -hmm. often like they, they kind of have their backs to the audience. They barely talk to them. If they do, it's, you know, it's it's almost like, a burden. So bringing back the art form of entertainer, the art form of 
songwriting, the art form of storytelling into jazz I, is so incredibly important. Um, if you look at like the Rat Pack or, you know, Nat King Cole or, you know, Ella. Yeah, but ma'am, you mentioned people. Yeah, but those people were entertaining. Ago. That's the problem. You're right. But what I'm saying is she's under 25 having 14-year-olds sing and falling behind. I don't care who you know right now in the jazz world. They are not catching middle right, school also, and high school kids. She they went are, viral. Like, mm -hmm. it's a perfect storm of, like, catchy songs and going viral. Like, if a tree falls in the forest and nobody hears, did it exist? Like, is there another artist just like her? that's young and 24, that's writing beautiful jazz songs. I actually know two that have beautiful songs that are jazz and pop and just like they're beautiful creatures of the universe and like they would be so terrific. But like if they don't go viral, do they exist in this universe? It's like a, it's a such a crazy thing. But the bottom line is that like I'm here for it. I would love her to like come to a jam session with me and like get to be infiltrated more into the like live jazz scene and then have people sing her songs and open them up for solos within it. You know, like if she could bring like a amazing saxophone player or amazing horn player or like a real bass player um, or like piano solos within it, like it could just be mind blowingly amazing for the genre. So I'm, I'm here for her. I'm excited. I mean, you're in a far better position than me. I mean, I'm going to find her. February, because she's nominated also. <laughs> oh, you go find her, dude. And send her here, because, you know, she goes to me also. So I know, I know her too, so I'll, I'll, I'll try. <laughs> no, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, I agree with you on that. Would it be interesting to see her actually have an ex expanded edition of her songs, where it's like they put her with a quartet, with her playing the guitar and the open solos on top of it. Will that do well? Will that do bad? I don't know. It's just that she's in a position to do it. Now, if I was on her team, would I suggest her to do that? Probably not. I'd be like, yo, you're doing better than all these people. Let them <laughs> sit over there. People, I know. <laughs> okay, but let me ask you some other things on your album. Because, yes, ladies and gentlemen, she does have a time limit with us is Mr. Christian McBride. Of course you knew this coming <laughs> <Yeah>. up. <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> so he produced it with you, this guy. Well, a funny story on him, and I told it episodes ago, like over 100 episodes ago. He's at Jazz Connect in New York City. He gives a great speech and everything. And he's talking to people. And I walk up to him and I say to him point blank, yo, my next album is going to beat you for the Grammys. This guy just turned like, what's your album? And I, you know what I did? I caved. I oh, said, come on. <laughs> That's my one and only interaction. No, but if you Mr. had Christian told him, McBride. he would have hyped you up so hard. Like, he's such a kind person. It would have been. What was the album? Which, which. I said to do later. On. It's not about my stuff about right you. now. Okay. Like, We're you, talking you about you. Talk, what, what record? Tell me. Yeah, it, it was 
my college How band, cute. the Oatmeal Jazz Combo, okay? And the worst thing about it, too, I got three stars in Downbeat. His album got four and a half in Downbeat that month. And it was just like a slap to no, the face. No, so I mean, just listen, like, yep, if I you lost. even got a review at all, that's already a win. There's no such thing as bad publicity, so they say. <laughs> so they say. And yes, the Downbeat ratings is the highest one. I had a rant on that a few episodes ago, too. Okay, but we're not going there. But how did you get Mr. Christian McBride? On your album, and what made him want to do it with you? Because your third track, oh, by the way, is my favorite Yay. by far. Thank you. Oh yeah, with your so what it's in there, everything. I was just like, yeah, jazz, 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 let's go jazz. Jazz it. <laughs> Oh, I love that. Um, the uh... <coughs> part of me. So I met. So I did the Sarah Vaughan Jazz Competition in 2016 or 15. And uh, as a, you know, former opera singer, <laughs> you know, and I, I placed and afterwards I was like, oh, I can't wait to meet Christian McBride. And uh, obviously he is running off, so I didn't get to. And then a couple months later, I was doing one of those background gigs that I was t- like, telling you about across from Carnegie Hall. And I was just practicing and I was like, oh, my gosh, like this is uh, it's so loud in here. I'm just going to practice some stuff that I barely know because no one can hear me. So I started playing Night in Tunisia. Um, and that bridge always really destroys me. And I was like, oh, I missed it up. I'm going to do it again. So I did it again. Next thing you know, I look up. Christian McBride's standing right there. <laughs> and and he was like, I recognize you. I recognize you. Why do I know you? And I was like, Sarah Vaughn competition? He's like, yes, you were awesome. Oh my gosh, he's like, you sound so great. And then he gave me his card and invited me to the National Jazz Museum of Harlem the next night. So I went and then we just started a friendship. We would hang out like biannually and hang out, you know, just shoot the shit and just like be buddies. I never asked him for anything, ever, ever. And he would say things like, oh, we should make music one day. We should make music one day. And then like the pandemic hit and didn't, I didn't see him for like a year and a half. Um, and then when I did catch up with him in 2021, like spring, I said, listen, you know, you always say you want to make music together. I, you ready? Let's do this. He's like, heck yeah, I'll produce it. I'll produce your record. So I sent him all my original music and all my arrangements and he chose the tracks. And a lot of them really surprised me. And a lot of them I fought back on. And I was like, no, I don't like that one. Or what about this one? Um, and in fact, you know, I'm releasing tomorrow. Well, I don't know when this airs, but in December, uh, uh, the alternate tracks from How Love Begins called Caffeine and Affirmations, which is just like the joyful side that is not on the heavy duty How Love Begins uh, narrative. So within the same year, I had How Love Begins came out and then Caffeine and Affirmations EP comes out. Um, and just to show like the the two sides of me, one is like arduous and sad and hopeful and intense. And then caffeine and affirmation is just like silly, joyful. So anyway, so Christian chose the tracks and he started calling people for the band. And then I would argue with him on that too. <laughs> I was like, ew, no. I was like, I don't care if that person's famous, not interested. Um, I'm like, do they have pedals? No, then no, the answer is no. Um, Cause I'm still at heart, like a little bit fusion and a little bit pop, 
a little bit rock and roll. So he met me in the middle and mm-hmm. Olive Vegans was born. So it's exciting. Okay. Well, shout out to him on that one. I mean, the band, I have to say, he chose with you. Oh, he heavily influenced you into choosing <laughs> Fit Well. My only so, regret, my only regret and him, the is that those. he had wanted Joey DiFrancesco on organ. And yeah, that's my, that's really oh. my, that's, that's my biggest regret. And I don't have that many regrets in my life, but he wanted Joey and um, it just wasn't working with like the timeline. And because his schedule is so busy, it's just, we just couldn't line it up. And so I'm, I'm just bummed about that. Other than that, um, Joey could have been on this album. Damn. Um, and also, honestly, okay. like I love having special guests uh, because it brings name recognition. But there is nothing better than my band, and uh, my band that toured the album with me this year. Um, those are that's the people I should have recorded this record with with Christian, hands down. Like there's there's no reason why I should. I mean, this was a business move. Again, music is business. Like, I purposely was like, okay, Christian, give me some famous people so that, you know, people will pick my record up, right? But that's, I understand that part, but then if you're cool with your group when you're actually performing live, it brings a different set of energy. People don't expect you to have right. Joey on exactly. the road with or, you. You know, like, my band... <laughs> Now, and has been for many years, is Idan Maureen, um, this incredible guitar player. Uh, he has been playing with Dan. Dan Pugach is my drummer, obviously, and like, again, the amazing arranger, composer. He's been playing with Dan and I since 2014 at the, 15, at the 55 bar. You know, I don't go anywhere without him. And the fact that he's not on my album is my, again, like, what the heck? Why? Why? But, you know, business move. Like, if I didn't have famous people on there, would people have picked up this record? Would it have gotten a Grammy nomination? I'm not sure, you know. Uh, I don't know. The jazz pieces, like I say. Yeah, so I really wanted to be like, okay, okay, here, here, here's some names that you you recognize. You know, would I still have had David Cook? 100%. He's like a friend. He's amazing pianist. He helped associate associate produced this with me because I really trust, you know, he's the MD for Taylor Swift, you know, like this guy knows music. And so when I, after Christian chose the tunes, I went to David Cook and I was like, okay, can you like sit in on the piano when I'm not playing the piano and like really shred one? Number two, can you help me clean up these originals or just look, look them down and just tell me, you know, do you think this makes sense? How do you feel about this chord? You know, and so we, we just went through all the tunes and um, like a light touch. Him and Christian had a, such a light touch, um, but a very appreciated one. Okay. All I'm saying is you're living <laughs> the dream here, ma'am. I'm just letting you know. Okay. We get some guests sometimes where it's just like, ah, oh, this is refreshing. And then we get some guests every now and then where it's really? like me and them are bumping heads. Not that we dislike each other. It's just we see the world completely no different. Yeah. Yeah, send them to me. Send I send you some of I got a lot, of, got a lot of driving me. to do. 
<laughs> well, ma'am, can you tell the people where to find your music, how to reach you, all that stuff, Absolutely. your social media? I forgot to mention Sam Weber on bass is who, who was traveling with Dan, Idan, and I. He's also amazing and the best. He was also in our touring band this year. I just, I would be remiss not to mention him. Um, so where to find me? Um, since my last name is Zoraitis, which is brutal, as we discovered at the beginning. That's Lithuanian, by the way. Um, <laughs> all of my socials and, and, and uh, websites are Nicole Z Music. So NicoleZMusic.com at Nicole Z Music. Um, Facebook, Instagram. Instagram is, my, is where I love to let loose. I love making content that's like satirical. So you'll see me like singing and then you'll see me doing something goofy or doing like a office style, uh, you know, I love to just make light out of dark situations. And so if you want to follow me on Instagram and then I'm on all the streaming platforms and you can buy actual albums and actual sheet music from me directly on my website, NicoleZMusic.com. Okay. Well, ma'am, thank you once again for joining us. Leander, you better send me your music and talk about your okay. music. What, what What do you want to talk about? Come on, use my time. I don't care enough about me. What you What do you got going up? Huh? I mean, <laughs> what do I got going on? I got a lot of stuff going on, okay? Oh, okay. <laughs> like I okay. said, this is not about me. <laughs> I tell you some stuff <laughs> okay. off the air. We were about yeah, to I got finish, a hair appointment. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get my hair fixed. Mm, you're good. <laughs> Everyone, this is Leanna from Improv Exchange. Thank you. Have a good one. That's that on jazz. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Improv Exchange. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, please be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Improv Exchange.